0: This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to the live stream virtual worship service of Mayflower Church. We're so happy you've chosen to join us. Here at Mayflower, we believe that faith is a journey, God is good, Jesus saves, and the Spirit leads us toward faith, hope, and love as we honor the dignity of all God's children. So let us journey together in faith this morning. I am Rev. Ruth Bell Olson, and together with Rev. Dr. Jonathan White, we are your interim pastoral team. We'll be leading worship along with Dr. Julia Brown, our music director, Scott Boscher, our choir director, and Anne-Marie Church, our featured soprano. Next Sunday, we will be joined by a special guest, Marcelo Leninger, the artistic director of the Grand Rapids Symphony. So, you won't want to miss that. So, many of you have asked about our timeline for gathering in person. Members of our congregation, scientists, doctors, lawyers, and others, have formed a COVID task force under the guidance of our church council. The task force is helping us make wise decisions as a church as to how, when, and where we are able to reopen. We are extremely grateful for their insight and wisdom. As plans unfold, under their recommendations, we'll be sure to keep you informed. We're happy to report that within our safety guidelines, we have a few upcoming events to share with you. Beginning September 9, we'll have midweek. That will be outside, and it will be fantastic. And on September 12, our youth group, in conjunction with the Sudanese Grace Youth Group, is going to be hosting a car wash. Together, we're going to raise money for a playground for the new Sudanese Grace Church. And on September 13th, we will launch our fall programming with the theme, Interim Journey of Hope, Pentecost. Details about what this will entail can be found on our website. Please be sure to also check our Facebook page, Instagram, and YouTube channel for more details on all that is happening in the world of Mayflower. This morning, we're continuing in our series, Who Do You Say I Am?, as we study the experience of Jesus. We welcome you to be present wherever you are, and may we be led by the Spirit to grow in our faith, hope, and love with passion and joy. So now, let us begin with our call to worship. We give thanks to the Lord with our whole heart. Before the gods, we give the Lord praise. Though we walk in the midst of trouble, God preserves us. God stretches out a hand of deliverance. God will fulfill God's purposes for us. For God's love endures forever. So come, let us worship the Lord of deliverance and love. Let us pray now our opening prayer. Holy One, as the psalmist writes, If it had not been for you, you who are on our side, when our enemies attacked us, then we would have been swallowed alive. But bless you, Lord, for not giving up on us. Our help is in your name, the one who made heaven and earth. May we live and move and find our being in you. Amen. Our first scripture reading this morning is from Isaiah 51, verses 4 through 6. Listen to me, my people, and give heed to me, my nation. For a teaching will go out from me, and my justice for a light to the peoples. I will bring near my deliverance swiftly. My salvation has gone out, and my arms will rule the peoples. The coastlands wait for me. And for my arm, they hope. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look at the earth beneath. For the heavens will vanish like smoke. The earth will wear out like a garment. And those who live on it will die like gnats. But my salvation will be forever. And my deliverance will never be ended. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second scripture reading is from the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Will you pray with me? Gracious God, open our ears that we may hear, our eyes that we may see, our minds that we may think and critically analyze, our hearts that we may be filled with compassion, and our hands so when we leave worship, we leave in service. This we ask in the name of the Christ. Amen. Who do you say I am? Jesus asked the disciples. That is a question that everyone who calls themselves Christian must answer. Who do you say I am? Some answer, you're the Son of God. Some answer, you are the Messiah or Christ, a derivative of Greek. That you are the Anointed One. Some say the Second Person of the Trinity. Who do you say I am? It is a difficult question. The Resurrection Completely radicalizes the answer. Some Christians answer with a creed. An Apostles' Creed, a Nicene Creed. Through orthodoxy. Some Christians tell you, find out for yourself. We're congregationalists. We're a non-confessing church. It means... You have to answer that question, as Paul said, work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. But the upside of congregationalism is, being a non-confessing church, we can use all the confessions. Gunther Borkham of Heidelberg University answered the question in the middle of the 20th century. He says Jesus is the Christ. Jesus Christ. Probably didn't brand himself as the Christ, and Jesus certainly didn't establish that rank outside in the world, but he acted as if he were the chosen one, that he brought the message to Israel. Paula Frederickson, in a wonderful book, now in his second edition, From Jesus to Christ, looks at the historical Jesus and asks the questions, Who did Jesus think he was? And who did Jesus become? She concludes that Jesus preached an apocalyptic eschatological message. That means he was an end-time preacher who thought God was going to bring an end to time. This was a time to repent and to follow God's will. That message radiated throughout Israel because that is the essence of Judaism. The Judaism of the prophets. Jesus spoke in that tradition. Frederick's Fredrickson said that became an international message because the Hellenistic world, the Greek world, was ready for that message. Like the Hebrews, the Greeks, the Greek culture spread by Alexander the Great 300 years earlier, the Greeks believed that there was a creator and that creator was good. That creation itself was good. But, like the Hebrews, there was a problem with evil. Well, that Creator would intervene in time and destroy evil. Two cultures, two similar messages, and Jesus' message resonated in both of those. Paula Frederickson also says, When we look back at Jesus and look at the historical Jesus, we see Jesus from behind. We see him with his back to the people because he was speaking to a particular culture, to a particular group of people, and a particular faith. When we look at Christ, we are not looking at history, we are looking at theology. And that is a Jesus looking at us and asking, who do you say I am? N.T. Wright is the is <clears throat> the Bishop of Durham, England. He is a priest in the Anglican Church. Early in, he's an accomplished author. That's not enough of an introduction for Tom Wright. Um, he is an accomplished theologian. Early in his career, he was a chaplain at, <clears throat> excuse me, a chaplain at Cambridge, and he frequently encountered young students who would say to him, "Well, this is about the only time you'll see me because I'm not really religious." Wright would respond, oh, that's interesting. Tell me why you're not religious. Well, I don't believe in God. Wright would respond, well, what God don't you believe in? Well, I don't believe there's a God that sits in the cloud, that watches every move we make, and that is going to judge us, and judgment's going to be horrible. Bishop Wright would look at them and say, I don't believe in that God either. Said I always ran the risk of having students run around campus saying, hey, the new chaplain doesn't believe in God. But he would follow it up with, I believe in the God of Jesus of Nazareth. I believe in the God that Jesus worshiped. Wright argues that Jesus was part of That God. He says, almost tongue in cheek, Jesus didn't sit around and contemplate, hey, this is pretty cool. I'm the second person in the Trinity. Wright says, Jesus understood the Lord, Adonai, the sacred name too precious to speak. Jesus thought he was totally possessed. By God, and that He acted in God's name. If you look at Jesus' actions and compare them to God's actions in Israel, Jesus did the things in Israel that only God could do. Jesus believed His message was God's message, and the resurrection exemplified that. Wright says, if God actually became a human being, what would God look like? He concludes he'd look very much like Jesus. Someone who championed the weak and the poor. Someone who emphasized mercy over the law, someone who talked about justice, someone who would give himself for people, never more so, Bishop Wright says, than when he is helpless and nailed to a Roman cross. Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. The Christ was inside him. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is what Jesus wanted us to realize. Moving from right, we can get another side of the theological spectrum. There are some people who are literalist. God said it. I believe it. That's all there is to it. That's comforting on one level because that's all you have to do. But on another level, we have a problem of evidence. And if we take some of the symbolic sacred stories literally, and then we find evidence that says These can't possibly be literal. We have people who fall away from the faith. A scholar, I've never met him, but a scholar that I deeply respect. I've listened to his lectures at the teaching company. I've read several of his books. I follow him on YouTube and I follow his webpage. Bart Ehrman. From the University of North Carolina. Trained in a Bible institute. Believing everything in the Bible was literally true. Being the scholar that he is. Mastering ancient languages. He looks and sees all types of differences in the text. And he fell away from the faith. What he says now, who do you say I am? Christ. That is the invention of the church. The early church, rather rapidly, the early church had visions of a risen Jesus. And they attributed that to being Christ. Tom Wright would respond to his friend Marcus Borg and say, there is no evidence of that. Anyone can say it, but the disciples believed in it. Well, scholars just don't give us the answer. We can debate that academically all day long. Much like Aristotle and Plato talking about perfect forms. Plato looked up and talked about the perfect one. Aristotle, practical, looked to earth and said, look at that house. That's the form of a house, Plato. It's not some pie in the sky. And their debate continues. Who do you say I am? We are not going to get an answer from the scholars we are not going to get an answer from theology but we can do something that soren Kierkegaard suggested that we do we come to what we know and look at the unknown and at that point We have to make an inferential leap of faith. The atheist says, I can't do that. Yes, you do. Well, there is no God. Prove it. Everybody, every culture, every human being has to make that leap of faith. I'd like to close today's sermon with two examples of how that leap can be made. How you can answer that question. Who do you say I am? The first example comes from the practice of of Christian faith over 2,000 years summarized very well by Karen Armstrong in her wonderful book the case for God. Armstrong says that the church has two traditions to encounter both the Christ, the second person of the Trinity, and God, the first person, and the spirit that binds them together. The first way is the positive road, or the via positiva, the cataphatic approach. In that method, a person lists all of the wonderful attributes of God. All of the wonderful attributes of the Spirit. All of the wonderful attributes of the Christ. When we get together here in this church again, when this awful epidemic is finally over, we can go in the library and we see a picture there. And it says, Who is he? And it lists all these wonderful names for Jesus, Prince of Peace, Wonderful Counselor, Messiah, Christ. The list goes on and on. And in that answer, you're lifted into the presence of God. The second way to do that is exactly the opposite. It is the negative way, or the via negativa, the apophatic method. And that is, you say something God is, say something the Christ is, say something the Spirit is, and realize, well, that doesn't go far enough. And so you keep adding to it. And suddenly you realize that none of those things go far enough. And finally you realize that you're at a loss. Because nothing you can do, nothing you can say, nothing you can think will get you to encapsulate the Trinity. So you sit in complete silence and look at nothingness. And in that nothingness, Hildegard tells us, Teresa tells us, St. John of the Cross tells us. In that silence, sometimes God's self will reveal a glimpse of the holy. Two very practical ways summarized by Armstrong. There's another practical method, and that comes from a story by Leo Tolstoy. Tolstoy, in a very short story, Tolstoy talked about a cobbler named Martin. Martin had finished making his shoes for the day. He was reading the Bible, and he read the story of the time Jesus came to the Pharisees' house. Martin thought, oh, it would be so wonderful to have Jesus in your house. It would be so wonderful to be visited by God. And as Martin thought about it, he heard a voice. A voice saying, tomorrow, tomorrow I will come and visit you. Martin is consumed with joy. He can't believe it. Barely sleeping that night, he wakes up in the morning. He has a small breakfast breakfast starts work at his cobbler's bench making shoes there's a knock at his door he's excited he opens it it's one of his best friends his best friend starts talking to him he says martin you're awfully excited today and martin says listen this is what i was doing i was reading this story from the bible last night and then i heard a voice and the voice said i'm going to come and visit you today his friend was consumed with the same joy that Martin had. And he said, I can't believe it. I've read that story time and time and time again. But now I know that story is real. And he left Martin's house praising God, saying, I am going to worship like I've never worshiped before. Martin felt so good about it. The day wore on. No God. No visit by Jesus, no Christ, no spirit. He opened his door just to look outside. It was cold. There was a woman standing across the street. She was holding a little baby. The baby was hungry. The woman was hungry. And neither the woman nor the baby had clothing warm enough for the deep Russian winter. Martin invited her into his house. He fed her, fed the baby, rummaged around and found old warm clothing, had the child wrapped, had the woman dressed in warmth. He gave her some money and said, you can't live outside Use that money and find a place to stay. She thanked him and left. Evening. Evening was rolling around. And Martin's getting a little anxious. He hears a commotion outside. He opens his door again. And there is a woman. She's selling something. And a young boy... She's got hold of him. He's fighting her. They're yelling at one another. He immediately goes out on the street and separates them. What's going on here? The woman says, I'm selling this, and, and he is stealing it. And the boy says, yeah, I'm stealing it because I don't have it. Martin says, okay, this is not the way to live. He pays the woman for the food the boy took. And he tells the boy, you can't do that. You take this money and buy it the next time. And the boy apologizes to the woman. The woman apologizes to the boy. The two are reconciled. And they go in peace. Martin goes back into his house. Heartbroken. Because the sun has set. He opens his Bible after lighting a candle and begins to pray. Lord, you said you were going to visit me today and you didn't. Martin hears the voice again. The voice says, look in the corner. And there. Glowing in the corner is an image of his friend getting the good news. An image of a woman and her baby. An image of a woman selling food and a young boy. The voice said, I came to visit you three times today, Martin. Tolstoy called his story where love is, God is. Who do you say I am? We look at the Jesus of history And we see his back as he talks to his disciples. Who do you say I am? And Simon says, you're the Messiah. Jesus responds, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, because you couldn't figure that out on, on your own. That was the Spirit of God that revealed that to you. Don't you tell anybody else because they have to figure it out too. And we ask, who do we say he is? That is the risen Christ who turns and faces us. Who do you say he is? How do you answer that question? In the name of God the Creator, God the Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.
2: Psalm 23 keeps coming back again and again. There are so many wonderful musical settings, so many different translations. And here we are again today with a duet setting by Henry Smart, an English composer and organist. He was a nephew of a conductor. He was the son of a music publisher. And very well known during his time, he wrote operas and cantatas and oratorios and organ music in the setting of Psalm 23 The Lord is my shepherd. He's mostly forgotten, except for a hymn tune that's still in our hymnal called Regent Square. We often sing that melody to angels from the realms of glory or Christ. Uh, Jesus Christ, Our Sure Foundation. And this beautiful setting of Psalm 23 is one of those melodies that will stick with you and stay in your head for the next week. Uh, I invite you to listen tomorrow to look for our uh, video that will come out of this duet. And later this week, there will be a, also a video with Marcelo Leninger playing our Steinway piano. He was here this week recording, and uh, we're very excited to have him in our building next Sunday. So, just echoing uh, Ruth's announcement from earlier in the service, he will be here. He's playing Chopin and some Villa-Lobos and um, it's just wonderful to have this close relationship between Mayflower uh, community and our Grand Rapids Symphony.
0: It is so difficult for us in this era of virtual church, this time of confusion and questions, over how and when we can engage in public worship. Yet one of the ways we worship is by giving. As we give, we worship by remembering that all we have comes from a loving God who wants to bestow blessing after blessing on us. May we, in turn, choose to bless others with our resources, our time, our talent, and our treasure. There are several ways to give to the ministry of Mayflower. You are welcome to visit our portico, where you will find a locked box in which to place your offering. You can also mail a gift to the church office. Our website has options for online giving, as does the bulletin that was emailed to you. We are also very tech-savvy, and you can text the word GIVE right on your phone with the number 616 344 6255 We deeply appreciate the generous spirit and gifts that are given to continue the ministry here at Mayflower We stand in awe of all you do for us. Now we pray that you will use us through our gifts, tithes, and offerings to be a blessing to others. We dedicate ourselves and our resources to your glory. Amen. them together in a time of congregational prayer. Who do we say Jesus is? Oh, dear holy God, who is Christ, we ask? God, we seek you today, and we are desperate for you. We want to see Christ. We do not want to miss the divine right in front of us. Help us to have eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts open to your holy presence. In a hurting world, may we bring comfort. In a broken world, may we be repairers. In a world of conflict, may we bring your peace. And this morning, God, we grieve the disasters, the natural and the human made that our globe is experiencing. We pray for those fighting the California wildfires that seem just unstoppable. We pray as tropical storms are swirling in our waters that they will not reap destruction. We grieve today the division and ugliness that has become our current cultural context. Help us to be change makers and light bearers. Help us to be people who reflect Christ and help us to be people of deep love. We remember those in our church community who are grieving, those who are struggling, and those who simply need an infusion of hope. And we pray this morning for the end of the coronavirus. We pray for health and safety and healing. And we lift up to you Mayflower's COVID task force. Empower and embolden them. And may we not be motivated by fear, but by divine wisdom and clarity. In the silence, Lord, may we hear you whisper, peace, be still. one we lift our burdens to you they're heavy our hearts are heavy yet we also have so much to be grateful for so please fill us with gratitude this truly is a day ordained by you and let us not take this for granted every day is a gift help us to live into this reality bring us joy bring us hope Help us to see the beauty around us. We don't want to miss it. And thank you for this unusual sunshine that we've enjoyed this summer. Glorious days of warmth and brilliance. Foster in us a sense of wonder and awe. Lord, in the silence, please remind us of your goodness.
3: Come to the way.
0: now, we turn to the familiar words of the prayer you taught as a model for us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
3: All light and truth, who break war from his word, who tear
1: is. You are the Christ. You are the wisdom. You are the Word. The Word that was with God in the beginning. And the Word that is God eternally. And my friends, whether you are on top of the world or the world is on top of you, that word, that wisdom, that Christ is waiting to go with you, to guide you, and comfort you. In the name of the Father,